Welcome to the Seek 22 podcast. We're so glad you're here. I'm Erin Scanlon, one of the Seek MCs and your host for this season. This podcast is a place of community, collaboration, and inspiration created to invite and encourage you deeper into relationship with Jesus. Today, we're hearing from our friend Doug at the Renovo podcast. Renovo is a podcast with a single goal, finding the miraculous in the mundane. Doug digs deep into ideas of Catholic teaching and tradition with both clarity and consistency. Covering everything from pews to relativism, Renovo acts as an engaging source of formation for everyday Catholics. In this episode, Doug opens the conversation about the patron saint of Seek 22, St. Alberto Hurtado. How can the teachings of this incredible saint challenge all of us in our continued pursuit of holiness? Tune in to find out. This is an ODB Films production. Visit odbfilms.com today. In Latin, renovo means to renew, restore, or revive. This show is all about growing in our understanding and practice of faith. Past episodes are available wherever you like to listen to podcasts. I'm Doug Took, the Vice President of Mission at ODB Films and Renovo Media Group. And today we're going to talk about a bonus episode of Renovo for St. Alberto Hurtado. And uh, this show uh, was recorded specifically for Focus and the Seek Conference on February 4th through the 6th, 2022. And if you're interested in attending, uh, visit seek.focus.org today. Uh, ODB Films has a wonderful past uh, history with Seek. We were able to bring uh, Jim Caviezel to the Seek conference uh, when we made the Paul film, uh, Paul the Apostle of Christ. Kind of snuck Jim in and he surprised all the participants at Seek and it was a kind of an awesome opportunity. He gave a really good speech. It was really, really cool. So ODB Films loves focus. We have a good relationship with those guys, this incredible ministry that they promulgate across all kinds of campuses. But today... Uh, We're going to talk about St. Alberto, who's one of the patron saints of the conference. And uh, I love this show because I did not know anything about St. Alberto. So I get excited when I get to learn something as well. And uh, man, I hope you enjoy um, all the stuff that you kind of learn from this. Um, Way back in 05, uh, 2005, uh, which was World Youth Day Germany, I think it was, there was a a landmark event uh, in the life of the Chilean church. And uh, it was the, the canonization in Rome of Chile's second ever saint, who was a Jesuit named Alberto Hurtado. Padre Hurtado is how he was known throughout the country. He uh, died as recently as 1951, which is well within living memory, which is amazing. So he's a modern saint. That's just incredible. There was a sector of, of Santiago um, that actually kind of bore his name, and he had become this kind of hero. Um, that, you know, Latin cultures kind of quote endlessly and admire. And way back in 05, um, it was just Hurtado mania and the Jesuits were excited out of their minds. Uh, Hurtado was, he, he was an unusually gifted guy. Uh, there, no doubt, right? So he kind of shuttles between this like astonishing array of activities um, that are just varied. All, I mean, every one of them could demand an entire lifetime of work. Uh, but he he was just a busy, active guy. And uh, he had, like uh, like any other Jesuit, he'd followed this kind of lengthy period of intellectual and spiritual formation. And in addition, he'd studied for a European doctorate in education. And he just pulled himself, he just like poured himself into social policy, um, trade unions, uh, and and poverty. And he took an interest in the life of the church. And he wrote a lot of articles kind of challenging the bourgeois um, that had been published today. 
he challenged all kinds of assumptions uh, that fellow Catholics had. Uh, he founded a journal, uh, Mensahe. Uh, you can still get it today. He gave retreats, spiritual direction uh, that changed the lives of countless people. Unbelievable guy. Um, and probably most enduringly, he worked for the poor tirelessly, kind of a kind of a pure Giorgio kind of guy and uh, was with the marginalized. He set up a charity called Holgar de Cristo, um, which is this enterprise that's still going on. It's still still kind of happening today. Uh, just an unbelievable guy. Born in Chile, January 22nd, 1901, into a once kind of aristocratic family. Uh, Father Otato lost his dad at age four. That really shapes who you are as a person, that's for sure. His family uh, became impoverished. Um, they lived with a uh, bunch of different, like a succession of relatives, kind of moved from house to house to be able to sustain themselves from an early age. Um, he really experienced what it meant to be poor, to be without a home. To, to live at the mercy of others. You can see how that would have shaped his adult life. He received a scholarship to St. Ignatius Academy, which was a Jesuit high school in Santiago, Chile. He becomes a member of the Sodality of Our Lady, and he developed a lifelong love for the poor. And he spent a lot of time with them in the slums uh, every Sunday afternoon. After he graduates from St. Ignatius in 1917, Father Hurtado uh, decides, I want to become a Jesuit. Uh, but he was advised actually to not do that. He was told, don't do it. Kind of delay his entrance into the order. Take care of your mom and your younger brother. They have nothing and you're not making much as a Jesuit. So you can't really support him. So he works in the afternoons and in the evenings to support them while studying law at the Pontifical Catholic University of Chile. This guy hustled, man. Um, he continued to care for the poor and visited them every Sunday. Um, he was, uh, something that was kind of said about his spiritual, his spiritual director said this about him. He said he was incapable of seeing pain nor indeed any need without seeking a way to solve it. Isn't that a great line about him? After serving, uh, a term of obligatory military service, father Hurtado completed his degree in 1923 on August 14th, 1923 at the age of 22. He did enter the Jesuit novitiate in, Chil in Chilan, Chile. In 1925, he went to Cordoba, Argentina, studied humanities, and was next sent to Spain in 1927 to study philosophy and theology. In 1931, he went to Belgium to continue studying theology at the Catholic University of Leuven. Um, he was ordained a priest there on August 24th, 1933, and in 1935, obtained a doctorate in pedagogy and psychology. That's a, this is awesome. Uh, theology, philosophy, pedagogy, and psychology are loading this guy's brain and his desire is to serve the poor. So I, I he, he is operating at a high academic level and doing exactly what Christ invited him to do. This, that's awesome. Hey, go be as smart as you possibly can, but remember that the call is actually pretty simple, right? So he frequently directed retreats, offers spiritual direction to a lot of young men, uh, accompany several of them in their discernment of a priestly vocation and um, and really just kind of contributes to the formation of a lot of Christian laymen, uh, which is just awesome. 1941, he became the assistant for the youth movement of the Catholic action. You got to love that. He's a youth minister at heart, uh, first within the Archdiocese of Santiago and then nationally, which is amazing. Under his guidance, um, it just exploded. Uh, there was like 1,500 students in 50 centers in 1941 to 12,000 students in 500 centers in 1944. Think about these dates, guys. He was doing like powerful youth and young adult outreach 
in the 40s. This is before there was really um, an understanding of adolescent faith formation or adolescent catechesis in the context that we talk about it today. And for the sake of conversation, he was just doing it. I love that. Instead of waiting for some programmatic permission to make it be some quintessential sellable profitable program, he just went out and did it. I love that. All this work, it leads him to create an organization for a smaller group of committed young adults, the Service of Christ the King, whose members basically dedicated a year to living out the ideals of Catholic action. Sound like something focus or net or reach or some of those uh, incredible, uh, you know, the old Jesuit volunteer corps. It's like, hey, commit, throw yourself completely into this. It's an amazing opportunity. It's going to change who you are. Father Abeltro, he was one of the founders of that idea. In 1944, a homeless guy walks up to Father Hurtado on the street on a cold night. Um, he's described later as a poor man in shirt sleeves, suffering from tonsillitis and shivering with cold. Um, he, uh, Father Hurtado says this in his diary. It says he approached him saying he had nowhere to find shelter. Uh, Father Hurtado, he writes about this life-changing experience. And a few days later, while directing a women's retreat, he recounts this experience to his audience and asks them to turn their thoughts to the poor. He said, Christ is without a home. Then he says this, and this is a, this is a, this is a line from an article. It's unbelievable. Christ roams through our streets in the person of so many of the suffering poor, sick and dispossessed, and people thrown out of their miserable slums. Christ huddled under bridges in the person of so many children who lack someone to call father, he continues, who have been deprived for many years without a mother's kiss on their foreheads. Christ is without a home. Shouldn't we want to give him one? Those of us who have the joy of a comfortable home, plenty of good food, the means to educate and assure the future of our children. What you do to the least of me, you do. To me, Jesus said. This is from a lecture, from an article, sorry, from Father Hurtado. So this inspires these women to pool all their resources, which allows Father Hurtado to open his Hogar de Cristo, or Home of Christ, Houses for the Poor. And the first Hogar house opens in 1945, and it attracts all kinds of volunteers. Where the Spirit is alive, it's attractive to the hearts that want to serve the Spirit, which is just awesome. So within a few years, similar houses, they spread all over Chile. And the houses offered shelter, and they taught technical skills and Christian values. And between 1945 and 1951, like 850,000 children were helped by Holgar de Cristo. Unbelievable, right? So in addition to his work with Holgar, his retreats and outreach to youth, he writes a bunch of books. And he founded the journal Mensaje, like we talked about. It's basically this Catholic magazine. It highlights the social teachings of the church. And it's still published by the Chilean Jesuits. It's still out there serving people who serve the poor. So it's amazing. Hurtado basically uh, lived this comprehensive vision of the gospel. And I think that's where I really want to pivot in the context of this show. And I think it's really worth just sitting in that and kind of stewing on it. Okay. He knew that Christ called forth this sort of response from both your head. And your heart. And I love that. This is kind of that spirit of what Bishop Robert Barron has kind of lived out. Some great, great thinkers in the faith like N.T. Wright. It's always like a combination of head 
and heart, right? More than that, he wanted to find these ways, uh, as many ways as possible, really, of serving the gospel in a very concrete way. So he's very practical. Um, that's his hands. So it's head, heart, and hands. This is really what he stood for. It almost didn't seem to matter to him if some of these were apparently very trivial, as long as he was doing it all for Christ. That's really how he led his life. So it's not that unusual to find people who say that they're trying to serve the Lord, but most of us want to do it in a way that suits us, which is to say by basically pursuing some sort of like single excellence to which we can devote ourselves. That's not what Hurtado did. That's worth thinking about, right? It, it, nothing of how he lived was really self-serving in that way. He threw himself into the labor of this external service. That is, that's, that's amazing in many ways. Hurtado was a hero to the Chileans, right? He was uh, basically, uh, I kind of later discovered this uh, just from reading some articles and researching for the show. He's a man whose holiness really kind of manifests itself, not so much in martyrdom, but like learned preaching right through the head, moral purity really through the heart and his actions. Um, th these were intensely present in his life. But in, in this, th this way, he had, he had learned to act in the service of God, a way that spoke of this kind of like vibrant freedom from what a lot of us experience, these kind of like compulsions that dominate our, our ordinary lives. And it's in this, we have this amazing amount to learn from this guy. He really kind of harnessed himself as a servant. I think for young adults, this is what's unbelievably challenging about the pursuit of holiness is that at some point you have to kind of harness yourself. Of course, the invitation is to stay absolutely deeply invested. Who is Christ? That's how we'll know who we are. Father Hurtado did that because he engaged the poor. He saw Christ in the poor. So, and I'm, I'm prepping for this podcast and I'm looking through a bunch of his writings, these like little short pieces, articles, speeches he's written. And as I'm reading, I kind of notice the spirit is kind of starting to move, right? There's one piece in particular that's cuts. It just goes right to your heart. Okay. And it was a personal reflection from 1947 entitled the man of action and something in it just really, it just got to me kind of deeply. And, and here's what he says. It is necessary to arrive at total loyalty to absolute transparency to live in such a way that nothing in my conduct might rebuff the inquiry of men, that all might be open to inspection, a conscience that aspires to such rectitude feels within itself the least deviation and deplores it. It focuses within itself, humbles itself, and finds peace. Okay, that sounds pretty damn demanding, okay? There's not much chance of my ever getting there. That's just, that's overwhelming to me. Living an absolutely transparent life, that is, that is very, very hard to do. And, and in my mind, that sounded like living a life without sin, right? Totally impossible. That's not quite what Hurtado was saying. It's, it's more that as when like sin crops up, something you're tempted to do or be a part of, what counts is how you deal with it. So like sensing the deviation, you deplore it, right? And then you humble yourself in the process, finding peace. 
So what does it mean to really humble yourself? This is what Father Hurtado can teach us, right? So a good sign, I'm starting to struggle with this saint's words, and I'm finding, uh, I'm finding in it this a massive amount of spiritual mentoring. This is why it's worth reading him, okay? And it's so compelling. He says this. He says, I must always consider myself a servant of a great work. And because my role is that of a servant, I will not reject the humblest tasks, modest tasks in administration, even the cleaning. Many aspire to have quiet time to think, read, prepare great things. But there are tasks that all reject. May these be my preferences. Everything must be accomplished if the great work is to be realized. Okay, I'm loving this, okay? Now keep it in sight, this great work uh, that, you know, my efforts as a person of faith are, are this tiny, they're a small contribution. That, that's common sense, I get that. But then the reflection becomes kind of rigid, right? It's not comfortable, right? How many times have I, think about this, have you, have I, ever excused myself from some menial kind of humdrum tasks with this kind of like hollow excuse that my education or my job title had put me way above that thing. Well, I'm the executive director of the, well, I'm a trained formation director. I don't need to stack chairs and move tables. Yeah. How many times have we done that? Right. Sometimes the priority at the back of my mind, that's kind of, it's kind of in the shadows where it's hard to discern truth. It's often been, how would this action kind of give glory to me? Right. Should I really prefer to perform the unseen, unpraised chore? St. Alberto says, yeah, you should. Think, this, is, this is Dorothy Day. This is Teresa of Lisieux. This is Thomas Merton. All coming out in this man's voice, right? It's profound. He goes on. He says this. He says, humility consists in inserting yourself in your true place before people not by considering myself the least among them, because I do not believe this, before God, by recognizing continually my absolute dependence with respect to him, and that any superiority I might have in the sight of others comes from him. Okay, this is quite an insight, right? It's very honest, it's very real. The humility that I, that I, I had understood I was to aim at was, was about seeing others as always better than me, right? I, I, I've never been successful in acquiring that, right? It just It doesn't exist. But how much more difficult was the life-giving humility that Father Hurtado was evoking, right? This is a big deal. So he would mean knowing myself really well, taking responsibility for my gifts rather than finding an excuse for not using them, and then accepting this kind of like inevitable like ego damage that comes with correction. <laughs> this is what he's talking about. This is amazing, right? And I, I might have even had to like kind of learn from failure uh, with, without being dramatic, which is, it always seems to be, that's the way I deal with failure is like being dramatic, right? So what I'm slowly coming to realize as I'm reading his stuff is I continue to read St. Alberto. He lives out the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola, right? He's Jesuit formed. He lives them out. He's, he's just like, he's so at peace with these exercises. He finds a way of expressing this kind of practical spiritual wisdom that Ignatius had passed on to all of his brothers. And what he had discovered and really articulated was this kind of radical, demanding 
and surprisingly attractive way to be holy. And it reminds me of, of really why I, I had been drawn into ministry in the first place. All the, all, all the, you know, the things that kind of enticed me uh, into a life of the spiritual life, right? It, that those things that put me in touch with God as a younger person on a daily basis so that minute by minute, I can try to walk as this companion of Christ and, and receive his grace and encouragement. Um, and also, and also try to seek self-improvement, right? I'm challenged by, by just kind of being put back on track all the time. This is where St. Alberto really succeeds. He just lives this vibrant life in that space. He's living the exercises. It's, it's, you got to read this guy. He, he just, he's going to push buttons in your heart that'll knock you out. I think, I think it's really easy in the spiritual life to settle for some kind of cheap version of what we aspire to kind of a phony kind of holiness, one that's convenient. And it's why we need the lives of the saints like St. Alberto to really kind of show us these, the, the real thing. So we can let God kind of put us back together, right? Words, thoughts, prayer, and action, all of that combining to make this kind of coherent life that's offered in its entirety to the Lord. That is not easy, right? It's not easy. It requires nothing less than total transparency to God, which is what he talks about, right? This like trans, so a transparent soul could have seen the almost concealed egotism that hesitates to think big for God, right? Father Tato, he says this, munificence, magnificence, magnanimity, three words almost unknown in our times. Munificence and magnificence do not fear the cost of realizing something grand and beautiful. They do not think in terms of investing and filling the pockets of their supporters. The magnanimous person thinks and acts in a way worthy of humanity. He does not belittle himself. He who does not think big in terms of all men is already lost. Some will tell you, careful with that pride. Why think in such a big way? But there is no danger. The greater the task, the smaller one feels. Better to have the humility to begin great tasks with the danger of failing than to reduce one's goal out of pride in order to guarantee success. Whew. Yeah. At age 50, Father Hurtado gets diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and in the midst of all this terrible discomfort, he was often heard to say, I am content, O Lord. I am content. He died on August 18th, 1952 at age 51. His funeral uh, in the Church of St. Ignatius of, in Santiago was filled with so many of the poor who venerated Father Hurtado that many of his close friends had to remain outside. He was beatified by Pope John Paul II, St. John Paul II, in 1994, and he was canonized by Pope Benedict XVI in 2005. Friends, I, I just I hope that your spiritual journey is rocked, and I mean rocked, by the language of this man's holiness. And I hope that it's not a place to belittle ourselves in service of the Lord, but to look transparently at ourselves 
and recognize the the robust giftedness we've been given and then to give it back fully to the the grand task of the salvation of the world. And I think that's what uh, St. Alberto Hurtado gave us in the modern era. And I hope it's what you as missionaries, as as campus dwelling folks uh, are able to bring to the world. Thanks for listening. Sincerely, we're partners in the journey of faith. I really hope you'll share this renewal podcast with friends and foes. Send your topic suggestions, questions, and or comments to Doug at odbfilms.com. Always remember to engage the tradition and live the conversion. Until next time, God bless. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com. Thanks for listening, friends. For more content from this podcast, click the link in the episode description. Join these podcasters and many others as we encounter Jesus at Seek 22, February 4th through the 6th. For more information and to register, visit seek.focus.org.